0: Hey everyone, I'm Rose and this is episode 15 of Talking Topics. Fascia. It's a real buzzword and on-trend topic in the world of movement and anatomy. So what the heck is fascia? Let's look at a basic introduction. Fascia 101. In the age of touchscreens and retinal scanners, We don't understand our own bodies and wait for failure, pain or injury before we act or inform ourselves. Fascia really challenges the question and definition of what is a structure in the body. Is fascia a tissue, a structure or a system? It isn't described very well in the main anatomy texts, Grey's Anatomy calls it only superficial fascia, whilst others only want to recognise deep, thick fascia. So the fascia pioneers and anatomists have gone back to the Latin root of the word, which means to bind, and include the whole collagenous body-wide network of fascia. Connective tissues is our bones, made of collagen and calcium, Our tendons, our ligaments, joints and fascia. Fascia transmits the force from one muscle laterally to the connective tissue, then the muscle next to it. It's used for force distribution and protection. It's the scaffold, bone does not touch bone. It's fascia that actually holds our skeleton up, gives it shape and structure. Without the fascia, the bones, the skeleton, would simply fall down. Fascia is sticky and durable, like duct tape, and forms the largest system in the body, as it is the system that touches all other systems, the system that dictates our form and functional behaviour. A good way to think of fascia is the sailboat principle. Think of the sails on a pirate ship or an old-fashioned tall boat. Think of the spine as being the mast and the ligaments, muscles and connective tissues keeping the spine erect and they all need each other for that sail to work correctly, to hold the mast in place and to move the vessel forward. Tensile tissues are built to absorb and respond to tensile loads and they get stronger and more dense in response. It's called mechanotransduction. In simple terms, bones like being pushed on and tissues like being pulled on. Tensile load is tension pulled apart and compressive load is compression pushed towards. Norman Blair describes fascia as being like candy floss or thick leather straps and everything in between and the bones as floating in a net of soft tissue. The definition of fascia according to Runner's World magazine says fascia is made up primarily of densely packed collagen fibres that create a full body system of sheets cords and bags that wrap Divide and permeate every one of your muscles, bones, nerves, blood vessels and organs. Every bit of you is encased in it. You are protected by fascia, connected by fascia and kept in taut human shape by fascia. Now, Jill Miller responded to this definition by saying, This definition is an elastic rather than structural definition but it is missing something significant, how fascia acts as our fluid reservoir. The most recent and correct definition to date is from the Fascia Research Congress in Washington in 2015. It says, A fascia is a sheath, sheet, or any number of dissectable aggregations of connective tissue that forms beneath the skin to attach, close and separate muscles and other internal organs. There was an audible gasp from the Congress audience when this was revealed as the up-to-date revised definition, as it was strongly felt that it was greatly abbreviated and omitted many of the fascia's key properties It honours the myofascial, the muscle fascia and the organ-supporting fascia, but doesn't include even the superficial layer. So who is the International Fascia Research Committee? In 2005, Harvard hosted the first congress to gather different points of view and research and individual approaches to uncovering what fascia is and what it does. The aim was to bring it all together and to inspire further exploration of the field. Fascia is our seam system. It interconnects. It's a network with multiple functions. And each person carries between 18 and 23 kilograms of connective tissue. Fascia stores a quarter of the total amount of water in the body It provides cells and organs with food. It responds to stress and strain and adapts accordingly. It slowly, constantly renews itself and after a year, about half the collagen fibres will have been replaced. Fascia relies on healthy stimulus, forces, to help it regenerate, to stimulate the different structures it interacts with. It's a massive nerve house. Fascial tissues have sensory ability and pain-relaying structures. And fascia has been with you since you were only 50 cells old. Gil Headley, the anatomist, refers to the superficial fascia as a cosy blanket with thickness and loft. It is springy and sponge-like, but has different textures in different areas. For example, your forehead will feel firm and your tummy will feel soft. Gill tells us that overnight we build fuzz, which can be swept away by stretching and moving in the morning, but asks us to look at the fuzz when unattended because it builds and it provides potential to actually inhibit movement. Hyaluron is a component of connective tissue and this enables the slide and glide quality that's so valuable in our tissues for ease of movement. Massage and slow therapy pushes fluid forward of pressure and when we're dehydrated our fascia is sluggish and not healthy. We promote fascia health by reconstructing loft to our whole system, fluffing the pillow. If we sit on our bottom all day, we temporarily compress and flatten the tissues. We want fluffy, springy, bouncy collagen so we can massage to restore the volume and encourage nourishing blood flow through movement. But as we aim to pluck and fluff the tissue, we palpate with respect to restore rather than by blasting or damaging. There are a lot of tools on the market for self-release or self-fascia manipulation, and they are often very hard, very firm, and often brutal looking. We don't want to go to war with our fascia. But knowing the science and the facts, let's go further. What does fascia do? What are we dealing with? Fascia organises. If we stand up, how are we standing up? Our skeleton can't stand up alone. The skeleton isn't the scaffolding. We need the fascia to provide the structure to the body. Now, if we were to stand and jump, to shimmy and shake, why does your heart not drop out onto the floor? Why does your liver not crush your stomach? Why do your thigh muscles not slip down like baggy socks? Why do your intestines not slither out like gummy worms? And why is your skin not dripping off your fingers like oversized gloves? Why do your kneecaps not ping off? Fascia. Fascia sorts, divides and organises. Think of fascia as bags in bags in bags. Fascia encourages us to see the integrated whole, to look at movement problems with better clarity, to understand motion. A reductionist approach to a global integrated problem is foolish. We want the opportunity to think about the body in stillness and in movement and all its possibilities. The word fascia is Latin for band. This is very apt as it bands and binds in a seamless web. Its two layers, superficial and deep, are responsible for smooth, or not, movement. The fascia and brain are in constant communication. The fascia even wraps and penetrates the brain. Fascia is like the man on the street, gathering intel and information and relaying it to the brain, which is command central. And that information is relayed to the brain via the nervous system, which is housed in the spine. The brain processes what the fascia tells it and then returns the instructions to the fascia, such as brace for impact or the hip is unstable, etc. Fascia forms our structural and energetic support system interplaying with every other system. Without it, Our muscles would be hamburger meat, slush, and 30% of our muscle mass is fascia. Ligaments bind our bones together, providing stability and support to the joint. Think of them as plastic rather than elastic, as they only stretch up to around 4%. Perifascia is the interface that allows shear, glide and slip. Smooth movement. It's the anatomic basis of movement. Interstitium means in-between. Robert Schleip says yoga stretches can loosen connective tissue, even of the heart and the lungs. Now, in early autopsies, the fascination with biomechanics and organ knowledge, that eagerness for just more understanding and medical advancements, meant that the fascia was thrown out as a waste product. Today, it's fascia research that's actually the cutting edge of body knowledge and biomechanics. Surgeons are now paying more attention to minimising the disruption of the integrity of the fascial planes for much more efficient recovery. We can use nicknames for some of the primary fascia lines to help us equate them to what their roles are. We can think of the superficial back line as the lifter, the superficial front line as the protector, the lateral line, the sensor, the spiral line, the energizer, the side line, the climber, and the front functional line, the thrower, the back functional line, the high jumper, the deep superficial back arm line, as the delimitators and the deep superficial front line as the connectors. Tom Myers calls fascia the Cinderella story of anatomy. It's been discovered that 90% of the brain stimulation and nutrition is generated by moving the spine. For many people, traditional yoga backbends are not available, so the spinal positions in yin, for example, can be very beneficial. Dr Gil Headley describes fascia as a whole body endocrine organ. Our endocrine system is our hormones, glands and brain, and it uses the fascia for signalling. He says the fascia is a whole body lymphoid organ, a sensory system, And even a metabolic regulator. When we're fascially restricted, it's like having a kink in the garden hose. When we're open and stimulate the fascia, blood and fluid flow to the area, repairing and renewing. Connective tissues are thick, tough, and fibrous, and they respond to stress with short term healing responses, but long term, with regular training, they can grow thicker and longer, which is what we want. So what do connective tissues encompass? They are the most extensive structures in the body, the parts that bind and give structure and transport key substances. Tendons. These are tough, dense, fibrous and white. They hold muscle to bone they transmit forces and withstand tension. They're made of collagen fibres and there are varying views whether they have 2 to or 4% stretch limit. Remember T for tendons and T for touches muscle to bone. Ligaments. Ligaments are very similar to tendons. They connect bone to bone and often support joints. They can be bands or cords or sheets. The most flexible ones are in the neck. Remember L for ligaments and L for like-to-like, i.e. bone-to-bone. Fascia and bone are our electron transport systems, also known as energy. And that takes us to the connective tissue of bone. Even though we think of bone as being solid, hard, it is a connective tissue. It protects our organs, produces blood cells, stores minerals and gives structure and support. The periosteum surrounds bones and is a fibrous connective tissue. Now cartilage is slightly different. It's firm and flexy. Think about the top of the ears or if you squish and wiggle the end of your nose. It feels smooth. It's less complex than bone and more elastic. It's made of protein fibres. It protects joints and it protects the end of our long bones. Joints. This is where two bones interact. Joints provide movement and bear weight. Some joints contain synovial fluids in the cavities, which is thick and stringy, but also slippery, very like an egg white. Think of this as the WD-40 for the body. And our final connective tissue is fascia. Latin for band, our fascia divides and organises. It envelops bones and muscles and has a collagen makeup. It's a sensory organ on our communication network. Tendons, cartilage, ligaments, fascia, they all have very limited blood supply, so they have seepage and water exchange to keep it efficient without the blood. Can we isolate connective tissue? Well, no, we can't touch or work the body anywhere without interacting with the central nervous system, other parts and circulation. The skin and touch is a direct communication with the brain. We cannot only do fascial work. We cannot only touch one system. Is fascia and myofascia the same thing? Well, no. Muscle is actually attached to bone. As without it, it's just sloppy meat. Fascia doesn't just wrap the myo, the muscle, It runs through it in a double helix construction. At the end of the muscle, the lattice winds into a thick yarn we call a tendon, and the tendon attaches to the cling film fascia around the bone, the periosteum. The fascial net, that's slightly different. That's about our organs and cells. Myofascia is in and on muscles only. We can think of it a little bit like the wrapping on a boiled sweet. The fascia is the wrapping and at the ends where it twists to connect to the bone, it gets a little thicker. Fascia is bioelectrical, the key to understanding why a pathological change in the body may cause a cascade of remote effects in seemingly unrelated areas, organs and systems. Piezoelectricity is how children's flashing trainers work. Little liquid crystals get squashed and deformed and create electricity. And when the trainers are not being worn, the crystals return to reform their original shape and the energy ends. The point of this is that our molecules, collagen, elastin cells and bones, all have a very similar crystal-like structure. And when they're subjected to stress or holds, they begin to renew, regenerate and create energy. As a fun fact, the pericardium, the sac around the heart, is known as a ghost heart, a white bag made entirely of fascia. This sac is attached to the sternum. So when we say lift your heart, we are actually physically doing that. But the heart itself has no fascia inside. So the cardiac muscle is the only muscle that doesn't have myofascia. Fascia has the ability to recoil and fascia recoil can create positive movements or problems. When we look at a cat jumping, it's not just a muscular movement, it is in part fascia recoiling, but this recoil can also cause negative issues such as headaches, cellulite, limited range of motion and pain. Because fascia wraps and penetrates the brain, migraine sufferers can often feel a clamp down like a boa constrictor when this recoil happens. Dr Langevin is a Harvard expert researching cancer and fascia. And how the science of stretch and the effects of not stretching may influence tumours. Her latest work has investigated whether stretching could reduce tumours because cancer isn't just about invading cells they need a bed to grow on and that bed that stroma is connective tissue and once the tumour hijacks the connective tissue it helps feed the invader. She has shown that stiffness can promote cancer and that the stroma study is very important in assessing the threat level of a tumour and tumour aggressiveness. Tissues are living and they respond to applied forces and are in constant evolution. In addition, it has to be remembered about our individual biography and biology because they are unique. Her experiments are about whether stretching reduces tumours, and she did this on 66 mice subjects. The mice that were gently stretched daily had smaller tumours, less tumour weight and a lower cell count. And the work has been so exciting that further studies are to follow. Cellulite is not a fat issue, but a fascia issue. The superficial layer of fascia directly under the skin can cling to the very normal layer of fat we all have and squeeze it. Similar to pushing your arm or part of your body that's fleshy against a chain link fence and seeing it squidge out of the other side. This is why many varieties of people and body types have it, including healthy newborn babies it's as much a part of our anatomy as our knees are. A decade ago, we knew about fascia, but thought it was just any catch-all that wasn't blood or already understood. Basically, it was thought of as packing material for the body. Now we know it shapes our tissues, wraps, cushions, protects, supports and structures. It's involved in movement, communication and supply, fluids and nutrients. It can transfer power, store power and maintain tension, which is both a good and bad attribute. There are lots of ways to train the fascia that have been explored and advocated primarily by the body experts Tom Myers and Robert Schleip. In a nutshell, we want to remodel fascia with a variety of movement. Skipping would help us stay springy and bouncy in the fascia, and sitting in an armchair all day would mould us negatively. Likewise, people who may be considered fit and sporty are often stuck in one movement pattern if they stick to a single discipline, for example, runners or golfers, which can in some ways be as detrimental as sitting in the chair all day. Investigating the elastic recoil of fascia with soft bounces and light landings is a good way to maximise fascial training, as well as some repetition within that variety. Multidirectional and animalistic type movement keeps the body and mind guessing and accesses the nooks and crannies of the connective tissues. We ultimately want to stress the fibroblasts that live in the joint capsules. The fibroblasts secrete collagen fibres and proteins that make up all fascia and the GAG molecules that rehydrate the tissues. Under strain, fluid is pressed out of the fascial tissues which function less well as their resilience decreases. After the stress ends, the tissues rebound and rehydrate with clearer, fresh fluid. Running experts now advise walking intervals to rehydrate the tissue and give it a chance to take up that nourishing fluid. This is an excellent illustration of why the movement in between the poses in yin yoga is so very important. Variety is key, so in addition to weight training, swimming, yoga, cardiovascular exercise, a couple of fascia-appropriate exercises a week is sufficient for collagen remodelling. We want to train the fascia for optimum energy storage, capacity, elastic extensibility and tension, smooth functioning of the long fascial chains, rapid regeneration of the muscle fascia after strain and maintaining youthful waves of structure in the fascia. In a nutshell, we want to move with ease and age well. If we take a single cell outside the body, we can stretch it up to three times its size. Inside the body, it can only be manipulated to about one and a half times its size because it's unsheathed in that protective fascia, proving it is fascia that needs to be worked for flexibility. We are constantly having to relearn and rethink what we know about the body mostly based on new and exciting fascial discoveries. Anatomy can feel like it's a complex system of unlearning everything you ever thought you knew. But this is exciting and it gives us vast potential for learning more. 2019 saw a really interesting study on how our hormones affect the makeup of fascia in women. We have these amazing cells called fibroblasts, which go around like snails, leaving layered trails of collagen. But now we know those fibroblasts are changed by our cycle. Throughout our entire lives as a woman, collagen makeup changes every month, throughout the month, and hormones can affect our fascia. We are more flexible and potentially prone to injury, from ovulation to menses, and less so during and after our period. It's interesting when we look at this because it will explain why women often feel weaker or stronger, stiffer or more flexible at different parts of their month. Some of the names mentioned in this recording will help you as a starting point to go and learn or research a little bit more. But for now, whether you're teaching yoga yin yoga, a personal trainer or working with bodies in any capacity, we can take this information forward into understanding how we move a little better. Until next time, move well, breathe well, be well.